Mm. Welcome back. Uh, we've had a little bit of a hiatus. We've been having some technical difficulties. Um, yeah. We've uh, realized that content is king. And the only way you're getting anywhere in this uh, information-centered world yeah. is by focusing on content. So we took some of our Dodge, our Dogecoin investments, um, and we invested in some new audio equipment. Yeah, so, it's all it's all about keeping your assets floating, floating between um, you know what you see as the next potential hit. And um, you know, we 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 both had a realization that we've started something here. That Quite really profound. That's profound and has we not. Have, and it have, hasn't been done before. We have international listeners. It, I, I mean, yeah, this podcasting thing's pretty new. Not a lot of people do it. Yeah, um, it's pretty and, rare. And also, not a lot of people put out the level of consistency that we've put out. It's hard to be as consistent as we are. Yeah. So that uh, that's something that I think really stands out in this uh, this endeavor here. And uh, I mean, as you can see, I mean, hopefully on the other end, you you know, you're you're picking up a better audio. Um, but it, it, we're kind of kitted out here a bit more now. Yeah, we 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 have a full studio, really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's feeling a bit more legit. Album um, dropping soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fire's coming. Um, but uh, no, it's good, and, and no, we're excited to. I don't know. Start start again. Whatever. Every time we say this being more consistent putting out more content but no it's uh it's it's a good time timing now for our uh you know whatever our 50 fans we love you all yeah you matter deeply to us you do and uh this is why we do it um we do it for the love yeah we do it for the love and we're here and we're ready and um we're comfortable what day is it today? it's wednesday july 14th right now at 9 p.m um so we got episode eight of condemnation of everything let's start it off I miss that song. I do love that song. It's a great reminder of what's going to happen to you and what's going to happen to Ross Albrecht in prison. Oh, my God. So Ross. So... Uh, I mean, that's a stark reminder of what happens when you commit crime, but... White-collar crime at that. White-collar crime, but yeah, I guess a uh, good time to shout out the, the topic for this episode. We're, g- yeah. we're going to be talking about Mr. Ross William Albrecht, and... Beautiful uh, name. Yeah, qu- quite a unique name, and uh, his... his uh, highly sought-after tech startup, Silk Road. Yeah, um, many you, of you have possibly heard about this yeah it was a dark web uh website that sold mainly narcotics also pretty big into uh fake ids and yeah. things like that i think it's yeah it's good to put it as being very synonymous with the whole dark web kind of movement idea and like understanding of what is happening on on these tor browsers or on these on these internet sites that um that require a level of, um, you know, anonymity, anonymity to to get on, and and uh, technical know-how too. Yeah, Not, tech, yeah. It, it takes a little bit more than just hitting up your your boy Bill and saying, "Hey, get me that Internet Explorer, and uh, let's go buy some cannabis on Silk Road." I'm ready. I got my VPN. I'm ready to. It's not cruise quite, on the internet highway. Yeah, it's not quite how it works with Tor. No, um, no, no, no. 
But no, let's let's go, like you say, let's go back to Ross and because um, I guess the Silk Road starts with Ross, it ends with Ross in some respects, but it the story of the Silk Road and what we've been kind of researching in this respect has really been centered around the character who Ross is and the ideas that I guess he sort of stood for or tried to put out into this world before he was arrested. And I guess that's kind of what we want to explore here. So I guess starting with this character and who he is is... Is, is really where we want to start this pod off. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, so Ross is the founder of uh, Austin, Texas's tech scene. Yes. So he was... Uh, he he loves up, barbecue. Yeah, he grew up in Austin, Texas um, and ended up getting a full academic scholarship to the University of Texas in Dallas, which is uh, pretty pretty impressive. He, he gets a bachelor's degree in physics. Again, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm, hard sciences, applied sciences, man, shout out to you guys if that's what you're doing because that's just not for me. For sure. Um, and then he goes on to get his uh, master's in material science and uh, engineering, right? So at, at this point, you kind of, you start to see he's, he's, but I mean, all you know. Also, prior to some of his academic endeavors, like, I, you know, he he grew up in a pretty typical family home, middle class. Yeah, like a middle class, upper middle class kind of I like think American Dream esque. Yeah, very like, American Dream esque. Uh, white picket fence kind of style. He was a pr- kind of a, very involved with the scouts. Yeah, it was he was like an Eagle Scout or Eagle whatever. Scout. So, there we go. Um, yeah, again, kind of interested in the outdoors and, and I guess gain a bit of a sense of community from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, while he's in university, he kind of discovers, uh, libertarian principles, mostly economic theory. Um, he was a supporter of Ron Paul, if any of you know who that is, the U.S. Senator. Um, again, another libertarian, kind of, uh, well-known libertarian in the, in the U.S. governmental scene. Um, and then, yeah, of course, he kind of gets into like debates and, and college level debates, like on uh, like proper debate stage to kind of discuss his economic views and hash these ideas out and kind of like, you know, so, further his understanding of libertarian ideals. Yeah. So the libertarian ideals in respect to, you know, economic theory and it really goes back to a trying to edge at a wholehearted free market. Yeah, he's he definitely kind of the, the kind most of, basic way to put it. Yeah, definitely believes in like free market principles and small government, um, and, and and you know just kind of classic American libertarian ideals that that you do seem to stumble across a little bit more when it comes to uh, the American political life than you do in say Europe or, or some of these other uh, liberal democracies. The original. In the world today. Oh, I'm a classical liberal. Yeah, exactly. I'm a classical liberal. Yeah, I subscribe to Adam Smith. Yes, and, you uh, know, you know the classics. Yeah, the the seventeen eighteen hundred libertarian principles. Yeah, because those principles apply extremely well to our present day. But yeah, nonetheless, nonetheless, yeah. I mean, you're allowed to. I mean, freedom to political speech and thought, right? I mean, a hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Nonetheless, but yeah. So that that's his perspective on the way in which our markets engage. Exactly. And, and, uh, I mean, from there he kind of, he goes to, uh, San Francisco and he kind of gets involved in the, the tech startup world. Um, he, he kind of has two businesses that don't really succeed. 
in, in like the ones like a is it used books I believe oh that like yes. an online what's the name of that wagon um, good wagon books yes. that's what it is kind um, of a failed entrepreneurial yeah I mean he was really trying to take on Jeff Bezos and it just didn't quite work out you took the words out of my mouth yeah yeah I mean he could have been in space today but instead <sighs> he's in prison God so, damn it I mean that's a bit of a spoil alert yeah surprise but um. You know that, what? That's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Well, sometimes. Sometimes you end up as the richest man in the world, and sometimes you end up in prison. Yeah, sometimes you, when you name things wagon books, they uh, they fall apart. Um, but yeah, so we're we're looking at a at, at a man who is entrepreneurial in spirit. Is is clever? Is smart? Is yeah, established? He has education. Yeah, he's he's got his master's degree. You know, uh, you'd kind of assume. If you have a, a master's degree in in engineering and physics, you're going to have a relatively successful career coming from a middle class, upper middle class. Generally, the uh, opportunities will be family. Yeah, yeah you're going to do all right, fairly all right. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I guess like he kind of has these these failed these two failed business ventures. Um, which uh, one was a video game company, which I, I can't remember the the name of for the life of me. And then the other is Good yeah. Wagon Books. None of these really pan out for him. Um, and he, he kind of starts, um, you know, getting more into his libertarian ideas. And, like, he feels extremely strongly about this. Um, and that kind of leads him down this path into uh, trying to find a way to circumvent government, I guess, would really be the way of... of, yeah. of uh, his 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 kind of train of thought at least um and th- this is really where the foundation for for the silk road this this underground market comes from is these libertarian principles his ideology that he he really does adhere to and you kind of we'll kind of touch on that throughout the his story a little bit more as well but I, I, it is pretty important to um emphasize that uh his ideological take on libertarianism is is really a, a big influence in his life yeah, and I, I guess I would also add to the the educational side I'm seeing here. He was he also in his material. So his master's was in material science and engineering, and he specifically studied uh, crystallography. Okay. So I don't even know what that is. That's above my pay. Grade. I did. Okay. So I'm gonna read it right now. Crystallography is the experimental science of determining the arrangement of atoms in a crystalline solids. Um, so. I, as I read this, I just think of Walter White. I think of Breaking Bad. I think of this man. Crystal meth. You hear crystals, uh, yeah. and you automatically think I crystal think, meth. I think science, I think crystals, and then I think Walter White. And and then you you link that to this guy starting the Silk Road, which is an illicit market. Questionable. Maybe the academ- academic career he pursued really was what led him to this. Okay. So that that's something that we have to consider as well. Well, we understand where you got the uh, inspiration for Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, to, to continue, though. Yeah, I mean, from th- from there, like, this is really where uh, Silk Road starts to starts to become a thing. Um, so, so, yeah, this is, this is post-graduation after the failed entrepreneurial activities. He is looking uh, particularly to, I think, genuinely trying to make a positive in- impact on humanity as I've taken it from his lawyer and legal defense. So yes, that I may mean, be a bit of a problem, but yeah, I mean, obviously they have a bit of a bias when they're defending him in a courtroom. Mm, um, yeah. But I, th- I think at this time too, he starts Silk Road in 2011 and I believe he's 26 at the time he starts the, 
starts the Silk Road, and I, th- I think it's pretty fair to say, like at this age, he's maybe a little bit naive with his principles. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to make some Skrilla. Yeah, and he's probably a little bit insulated from some of the uh, the darker sides of the world. You know, being in, eh, in the generally. family, the family he grew up in. So you don't think the... he was maybe touched by the destructive nature of uh, heroin and crystal meth in his uh, upbringing? Seems unlikely. Mm, okay, seems okay. unlikely. Okay. So um, that doesn't really seem to be the motivating factor. It really is his his principles here. So he digested the drug war maybe through CNN and uh, CNN and uh, CSI Miami, uh, Horatio, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless. Really just the uh, the best sources for information on the drug war. Put yourself in his shoes. His... What would you do? Would you start a anonymous website to sell, sell illicit products to circumvent the government to make sure that people could be more free? Is that is that what you feel like you would do after graduating your master's? I mean, when you put it like that... Sounds okay. Sounds nice. It sounds like a not-for-profit. Maybe that's how we should have registered this to get around mm. some of the, the legal troubles he got into. But I mean, with that being said, let's let's maybe hop into a little bit more of the Silk Road itself. Yeah, what is the Silk Road? We got Ross. He's checked off. I mean... He's 26. He's looking to make some Skrilla. He's looking to make some Skrilla. He's, I mean, and, and he does say that, uh, you know, he has these ideological principles, but when you fail, you have two startups that fail, I think you are kind of looking for a bit of Skrilla. This, uh, yeah. There's a bit of economic yeah. motivation. And let me tell you, coming out of a graduate school program, you're looking for some fucking money, and sometimes those programs, they don't generate what you maybe necessarily expected. That's those, a fair point. Those particular programs. So I could imagine he's coming out, again, highly educated, experienced, um, but what is your prospects? Are you going to be a lab grunt for, you know, 10 years? Or um, are you going to sell some drugs? Are you going to sell some drugs? Are you going to make the real money? Yeah. Well, I mean, and this this is where you really do make the real money because he's not slanging on the streets here. He's creating a, a international website that uh, can fulfill your needs. Um, so, I mean, as we talked about, uh, you need to access the dark web through Tor. Uh, which is like an onion browser. The Tor Tor Onion browser. Yeah. yeah. Um, And uh, so, I mean, before Silk Road, there were a few other websites that kind of attempted to do a similar thing, but they tended to use PayPal or other payment uh, mediation services that were traceable. Um, And because of this, it got shut down really quickly. People got charged criminally. Didn't really pan out. Didn't last long. Yeah, so just don't use your mom's credit card when you're buying shit on the internet, especially drugs. Yeah, I mean, just find something you don't like and use theirs. Yeah. Just a little bit of identity theft. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. really the safest way. Yeah, watch a couple YouTube videos on how to pickpocket someone, snatch the credit card, and boom, boom, boom. Yeah, go but, down to the tourist location, or yeah. or you could use Bitcoin. Mm-hmm, yes. Which, which is, Which you know, seemed to work. Cryptocurrency worked well for this website. And I mean, uh, kind of funny... Bitcoin really kind of experiences this this spike in value from uh, 2011 to 2013 when yeah. the Silk Road's operating. So S- Silk Road 2011 starting. Yeah, it starts in 2011, and and like we'll we'll kind of you know t- again a little bit of spoiler alerts early on here, but you know 2013 is when the site kind of starts to not work in in Ross's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, during this period, we really do see the the value of Bitcoin go up and. It's kind of the first time where, I mean, there's examples of Bitcoin when it first kind of gets launched being used to buy a pizza and, you know, some some stuff like that that's more of just to, like, showcase the ability of Bitcoin to be used as a currency. But it, it really does kind of get used as a currency on 
on Silk Road here, and we we can kind of look at the graph and the, the time of this uh, of, of Silk Road's operation and, and the value of Bitcoin. It really does kind of in this case help cor- Bitcoin. Correlation equals causation. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and this kind of promotes the Silk Road and Bitcoin hand in hand, um, which I guess is kind of ironically one of the criticisms of cryptocurrencies is is that the, it can be used for these things um mm-hmm. you know the government's not getting their share the cia isn't uh importing cocaine through uh their their spy plane so they're they're not happy about it yeah yeah they can't come down and grab your hard-earned cash that hard-earned skrilla yeah but um but yeah no nonetheless yeah so this this is this is the kind of a a nice coincidence and uh when two worlds collide in a in a way that benefits one another in a very uh, you know symbiotic way, Silk Road gets to benefit off from a new and emerging cryptocurrency that can essentially keep you anonymous in, in a lot of respects if you if you do it properly, um, and then also providing a payment platform that is um, simple and efficient for a uh, legal marketplace. Yeah, exactly, um, and I mean. I, this is probably my favorite part of this whole story is uh, Ross Ulbricht uses a, a pseudonym for uh, his his account name, I guess, for his admin account on, on the Silk Road. And it's uh, Dread Pirate Roberts, which some of you may know as the character from the movie and the, the novel, The Princess Bride. And again, this just kind of goes to show his, his again ideological implications because Dread Pirate Roberts in the story of Princess Bride, he's um, more of an idea. the The name gets passed down from pirate to pirate, and and this is really what Ross wants to create is um, a market where people are free from government intervention, and they they can have an administrator that uh, you know the idea doesn't die with the administrator; it gets passed on to the next mm-hmm. person who wants to carry on this idea. Um, so I think personally, that's kind of like my, my, I think it's kind of a cool little tidbit, um, of this whole Silk Road thing. Um, but also interestingly, he has another account that he kind of uses under the name of Altoid, uh, to promote, uh, the Silk Road in a few forums, kind of yeah. poses as a potential buyer, like, hey, check out this website. Yeah. I'm thinking about purchasing Acting from it. Acting as a pedestrian on the site. Yeah, kind of that, like, guerrilla marketing kind of yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah, like, he, d- yeah. he doesn't want to say, hey, I'm the founder, because, you know, that kind of... D- blows your cover a little bit, yeah. right? He, so he kind of tries to grow it through these guerrilla marketing tactics, and then um, there is like a Gawker article, or maybe it, maybe it was a Wired article that gets posted uh, uh, that kind of y- helps uh, helps it grow popularity and, and makes it uh, a little bit more. Yeah, because um, that because that was outlined. You know, I, I, I there was a bit of humming and hawing. I think with this Wired, uh, I forget the name of the guy who wrote the piece, but it was definitely becoming a bit of a phenomenon in um, popular culture that, you know, and, and in mainstream channels in some respects, that there is a place known as the deep web where uh, illicit websites sell a range of things. Um, and, you know, the Silk Road obviously isn't the only one and ranging from, you know, heinous, heinous, uh, you know, heinous forms of uh, pornography or, and yeah, to, to, to hire for kill or whatever. Exactly. And I guess it's also a good point to kind of state that, um, even though he had these principles of kind of libertarianism, the Silk Road did have limits on what could be bought and sold on their website. They weren't doing hitmen. There was an ethical standard. Yeah. It was, it was mostly, uh, drugs, primarily cannabis, 
Um, that was the most commonly sold item on the site. There's some fake IDs, um, some stuff like that. There's precursors for other drugs, prescription drugs. Um, but yeah, it was mostly focused on fake IDs and other kinds of identification and then drugs themselves. And they, there, there were some weapons on the site, I believe, but I think that was quite limited and they kind of tried to avoid it yeah. compared to some of these other dark websites but like any, where anything any, goes. Yeah, exactly. And like any, and like any, you know, uh, site, regardless if it's the Silk Road or not, to try to be an administrator and catch things that maybe don't abide particularly by what the th- uh, the, the site's ethics are is, is hard to do. So you know, yeah, they, here and I, there, things are going to pop up. I don't think they had community guidelines. Let's let's just say that, yeah. yeah so, um, I, I mean, I think he, he definitely uh, kind of wrote some manifestos that espouse his, his principles and why he started the Silk Road and that helped people buy into it. Yeah. That helped people kind of believe that he wasn't going to just rip them off and take their, their Bitcoin and their money, which I, uh, a lot of the competitors, that's really what, happened you know people would sell some uh product or illicit goods for a few months and then just disappear with with the bitcoin and and ross what he would do he would hold uh your bitcoin in escrow and kind of guarantee the price on the the day of the sale until you got your your goods and he'd hold it in escrow and make sure that you know because of the volatility of the bitcoin you you maintained your kind of profit of what honorable businessmen yeah so yeah. and, and uh, most other dark websites obviously weren't quite this reliable um and trustworthy and, and this does go to show that like ross did have even though he was trying to make some scrail i think that's pretty fair um he he obviously did have some motivation that he did think he was trying to you know make this uh egalitarian site that was free of government intervention which i mean Probably sounds a little bit naive, but that that does kind of seem like he he was truly trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you plant a seed and you don't really understand how it's going to grow, and uh, you know, sometimes it gets too wild where you can't whack back some of the things and the stems and the limbs that grow. And exactly. I think that's kind of what Ross got himself into, and then also caught up into the the hype and the excitement surrounding um, the Silk Road in a lot of respects, just from kind of the peripheral looking at the trajectory of it and seeing that, you know the site got to the point and Ross himself got his Bitcoin wallet to being, I think at one point the third most valuable Bitcoin wallet in the world. Yeah. So his net worth at time of seizure was $28.5 million. Not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, it, it again is important to remember most of this probably would have been in Bitcoin. So uh, you can't exactly pull out $28 million of your Bitcoin wallet and walk into the bank. And there's a limited amount of things you can buy with Bitcoin. So he, he wasn't exactly living the most lavish style lifestyle. This was mostly uh, assets compared to just uh, yeah. gross gross income and, and uh, net, uh, net. I, I'm sure he could have walked into a bank, let's just be frank, and say, hey, I got $10 million in Bitcoin. Give me a... I mean, they do launder. I mean, HSBC has been caught laundering money for the Mexican drug cartels. So if he found the right banker, I'm sure he could get help. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him. No. Um. But yeah, that that's important to note. It's probably mostly in Bitcoin, and, and I think they have said there has there was 1.2 billion dollars worth of of sales. Yeah, on, that sounds on right. On the Silk Road. Yeah. So this was no small operation. Um, I mean, just imagining that level of traffic, however, granted, like, and there, there were, uh, also, uh, how to's on like how to vacuum package all the illicit drugs that were getting sold and shipped. So, I mean, 
obviously they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were getting involved in. For Ross, sure. Ross was kind of helping people understand how to operate the system. Um, but I think granted, you know, at the same time, like, okay, well, when was this Bitcoin evaluation done? I, I mean, I know in the documentary that I watched about Ross was, you know, I think it was, yeah, whatever, half a Bitcoin for a gram of cocaine, you know. So a gram or half a Bitcoin right now in Canadian dollars is, I think, around, I don't know, $15,000. Let let me see. Let's just find the exact amount. Yeah. I mean, and this, I mean, a few months ago. 20,000 Canadian right now. A few months ago, was it 50,000? So, I mean, this goes to show it's very volatile. Yeah. And at the time of a lot of these uh, valuations, the Bitcoins were worth a lot less. So, I mean... Yeah, point. like what a Bitcoin was worth back then. I'm not too sure, but yeah, uh, I think I think at the time of some of his messages that um, are part of the public record, he's kind of talking about holding Bitcoins in escrow around the sixty dollar mark. Okay. Um, right. So, and that's about probably 2012, 2013 time, further into the Silk Road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Silk Road it really kind of comes on to the authorities radar when uh, u.s senator chuck schumer kind of calls it out and highlights that it's uh, in his words i believe he says it's the most brazen attempt to sell drugs in the history of the world um which i mean i guess he's not quite wrong uh the most brazen attempt yeah I mean, I think that's a little rash. I mean, that's probably. I mean, he's trying to gain support here from the FBI and love the political machine. Yeah, right. He's he's really trying to garner up support to probably you know get a task force on on shutting this down, and then he gets to uh, pull the you know we just had the yeah. biggest drug uh, digital drug bust in history. Well, c- co- code for I'm going to get millions of federal dollars brought to our state. Brought to whatever, yeah, whatever state that he's working for, whatever agencies yeah. that he wants to, you know, per- perhaps there's a large portion of, I'm totally speculating, but like maybe there's a large portion of police officers or DEA officers in his in his riding and he knows like if, I, if I'm tough on this, I'm going to get votes. Yeah. I'm going to get support from police unions and prison unions and... You know, all those kind of players I mean, in, in the political I lobbying. Mean, yeah, why else would this politician have done this out of the goodness of their heart? I don't think so. I mean, potentially. I mean, there is definitely the pretty uh, strong anti-drug rift in the in the U.S. government. You know, the whole war on drugs kind of started by them. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty easy to forget. Trillion dollar industry. Yeah. Um, um, hundreds of thousands of people die. Yeah. I think that... For way too long on nonviolent offenses. Oh, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, I, th- I think I've heard of it, actually. Okay, yeah, that's fire. Um, so, I mean, from there, that that's really when the FBI starts getting involved and looking into this. And, and they really do tackle it in a similar way to, to most um, drug investigations. You know, they try to flip other moderators on the site, other people who they've uh, apprehended that have had shipments either shipped to or shipped from, uh, something that they can track back to the Silk Road, and they try to flip the person and, and work their way up the ranks, really. Yeah. That is a pretty standard operation. Classic Nothing, cartel shakedown. Yeah, just just a classic kind of like drug investigation where you, you start at the bottom rung and you work your way up by flipping snitches. Yeah, don't be a rat. And, uh, I mean, it worked because they, they eventually do cat, 
catch Ross. Um, yeah, in, in a way, I mean, uh, you have more of the details on the particular, but yeah, I mean, it's in a questionable way. Let's just say that. Yeah. So, two of the FBI agents who are investigating this case actually got charged um, for for some some corruption offenses relating to, I believe, uh, essentially skimming from Bitcoin profits and whatnot. Uh, as they're investigating and posing as users on the site, I believe that's that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're 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 skimming the top of the Bitcoin potential. Yeah, and at the same time, they kind of tried to entrap Ross in a murder for hire scam, um, and they faked the death of somebody, and it, it seems like Ross carries out a hit, but it's it's really you know they kind of reach out to him as this person's trying to blackmail you and... Yeah, under the impression, oh, we have thousands of users' personal information collected from the Silk Road and we're going to release it. So that's the scammer that gets him that way. These guys, uh, I believe they flip a moderator uh, that was working for the Silk Road and then essentially entrap Ross into killing him and they fake his death. Um... So that's how the FBI kind of tries to entrap him with the murder for hire. But then there's another case uh, where there is somebody that goes under the name of Friendly Chemist who, like you said, uh, tries to blackmail uh, Ross or Dread Pirate Roberts on on the Silk Road, as he's known, um, and saying, hey, I have all this info on users. I'm going to out you. You know, uh, I got fucked over by my business partner. I need $750,000. If you don't do it, blah blah blah. I'm gonna out you. I'm gonna, and then shows legitimate um, user data that that he does have. Um, and then from there, there's um, so it's one scammer who creates three different profiles and kind of plays Ross off of these three different profiles. One being the person who initially tries to blackmail him, and then the person who's supposed to be his business partner which is called, uh, the username there is Real Lucy Drop. Um, and then there's hmm. a third one who's supposed to be a supplier of narcotics in Western Canada who's a part of the Hells Angels is kind of what they hint at. A little local connection. Yeah, and um, so he essentially tries to get the um, what would be the Hells Angels to carry out hits on, I believe it's four people who he believes are blackmailing him. Um, so he sends, um, about a million dollars worth of Bitcoin to get this all done. Um, and think about how much that would be worth today. Yeah. That's a lot of goddamn money. And, uh, he sends it and they send like some verification photos of like a faked murder. And, um, the thing is none of these people ever really exist. It's a completely fabricated story. Um, but really raw, what, why Ross is trying to, uh, make this connection with the, what is thought to be the hell's angels is he realizes that they could bring a large portion of portion of business to the silk road. And, and you can tell he's really trying to grow the business here. He, he has genuine intentions. He is is a business businessman with an entrepreneurial spirit that cannot be crushed. And he's willing to take some risks. Yeah. He's willing to take some risks. Hey, but the difference between him and another business leader in their respective field, not too much, you know, who willing to take the risk, willing to dive into that next market. That's going to get you to that next level. Yeah. You know who made that same argument? Russell Brand. <laughs> he he made the argument that uh, 
uh, Mr. Ross Albrecht is no different than Coca-Cola murdering union organizers. And I mean, I guess, I guess he has a bit of a point there, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Capitalism, baby. Yeah. You know what? The machine runs and it runs well. And you know what? There's some shit that gets just sucked through the engine and spat out the other side. That's a great analogy. That really is what happens. But yeah. So you know what? You know what? And then all that shit that just goes off and it floats into the air and you forget about it. That's right. Until it comes back. And smacks you in the face. Yes. And takes down your plane. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. All it takes is that one bird that you think that the the rotors are going to just destroy and it destroys your rotors. Yeah. And then you're going into a vicious spiral and there's no escape in it. And that's kind of what happens for Ross here. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You know, you think about the human spirit and you think it can be crushed to the point where they will not come back and retaliate. Well, that has been proved wrong and wrong again for a long time. Well, when you think the person who's not going to retaliate is the United States federal government, I'm going to tell you right now, you're fucking wrong. Yes. They always retaliate. Yes. And they generally get their man. Or a woman. They generally do. Um, yeah, don't put it past them. No, they'll, they'll catch you. And that, that is what happens to Ross in 2013. He yeah. gets caught in the bastion of knowledge that is the San Francisco Public Library. He is caught masturbating with his pants down in a public library. I mean, that's, uh, that's good hyperbole. I, I say it hyperbole because that's how you should say it. Hyperbole is no fun. It's hyperbole. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he gets he gets caught. No, let's get serious. Pan- he let's get serious. Yeah. He gets caught with his pants down. He is signed into the master log of the Silk Road, and he gets distra- okay. distracted by FBI agents. Yeah. I'll let you tell this because I I, th- I think you enjoy this part. No, I do enjoy this part. I get very passionate about this because I think there. First of all, we have someone on the internet who is supposedly supposed to be running one of the most uh, wanted. Uh, site content uh, developers on the fa- on the play uh, you know on the face of the earth really in some respects yeah I in mean, terms of the cyber world who runs a website that we want to shut down this guy yeah that I mean so okay this fair. guy as a, it, probably the yeah. the most sought after website to get shut down for for sure so so he's at a public space okay I get it because you got to be on public Wi-Fi so you can run your your VPN. Uh, your yeah, virtual you private plausible, network and you and plausible then, deniability like yeah the, the, anybody could have been using the wi-fi there yeah makes it straightforward but your first mistake i think is a library uh in that you know there's cameras um okay second of all the where would you go for public wi-fi that has no cameras in the 21st century i would sit outside of a coffee shop <sighs> yeah i guess yeah or i would be um yeah, I mean, also I would be maybe like uh, using a burner phone to hotspot. Um, I see. I kind of like the library. I think the library is smart. Lots of uh, uh, lots of exits. Probably uh, some nice secluded spots with no cameras. Um, you know, you, you can kind of find a spot where you can watch the main entrance. I guess that's true. You can have a back. To, you can have a wall to your back. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Too many people coming and going in a coffee shop. A lot like. Uh, library, like, yeah, I, I feel like a library, you probably, 
I guess I'm blend in a little bit more. I I guess I'm so I yeah, I'm frustrated in this respect is that I personally think I could smart outsmart the FBI, but I think me trying to attempt to find an ulterior to what happened to Ross in this situation goes to show that no, I could in fact not outsmart the FBI. Hey man, don't sell yourself short. All you got to do is start an uh, anonymous marketplace on the internet selling illicit products and see if the FBI can catch you. All right. Well, Pretty I mean, low risk opportunity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, low risk opportunity and a low barrier to entry. Let's just say that. But you know, nonetheless, we got Ross. He's hanging out in this library. I would have chose a different spot, but that's fine. Um, and the FBI rock in. Who knows how many of there were? How many people were pretending to read Infinite Jess on the uh, you know in the library, looking around? One person's reading Harry Potter in the corner, and then we have these two prisoner of Azkaban for sure. Prisoner of Azkaban, most likely. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels between their line of work and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Nonetheless, uh, they really like the part of the, about the... Uh, the Death uh, Eaters? No, the Death Eaters, and they also like the Ministry of Magic because they throw the hand down and they like control. But, no. we like the U.S. federal government. You like the, exactly. The Ministry and the questionable ministry, a.k.a. the, F, uh, the FBI and the CIA, but um, and the NSA, but, um, no. Yeah, we're having Ross typing away, smashing away at his computer. You know, he's keyboard banging. And then we have these two FBI agents running amok. Who knows? They're they're having a supposed uh, uh, r- uh, romantic disagreement in the library. Yeah, they're having a couple fight in the it's library. Kind of an kind odd... of disrespectful, to be honest. Yeah, disrespectful. And then also, could you imagine being in that boardroom and be like, you know what? This is what we're going to do to distract this guy. We're going to say, what the fuck are they going to be having a romantic disagreement about? You know, I don't know who, who who chose the dinner spot last time. God damn it. I told you again not to return late fucking books. We can't afford <laughs> these late fees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so nonetheless, kind of questionable approach. Yeah. I mean, this just goes to show that, I mean, the FBI agents did not have their masters in applied engineering. Yeah. Or the masters in applied life. But um, yeah, so they're doing this. Ross is distracted. Some other asshole fbi agent comes in with the usb like the movie and you've seen it shoves it into the computer and steals all the logins i honestly can't believe that that, like that is actually how they do it and i think that to me that's mind-boggling yeah that that's the most accurate part and i just want to say crime and, and, and intelligence movies i am no cyber tech guy but i have to say if i was running this again if i was ross i would have had covered my bases hey can you set up my laptop so people can't just shove something in and steal everything on my computer without putting in a key or an, like some sort of encryption key even to use the ports? Like, I'm sure there's a way bro, in which... I'm, bro, I'm one step ahead of you. I, I just get like, you know, when you get the wireless uh, uh, mouses and shit, wireless keyboards and mouses, yeah. I'd have four different keyboards plugged into <laughs> all my USB slots yeah. so you couldn't get into that shit. That's hacker proof. Yeah. 100%. Can't hack my password. My password is just bunging up all the fucking holes yeah the fbi's plug the holes plug the holes the fbi's gonna try to come in with a male insertion well i have all my female insertion ports covered exactly well that's how the tech people talk so but regardless so he should have had whatever he should have had all this shit laid out plugged in and uh anyways hindsight's 2020 hindsight's 2020 you know what ross i'm sure you stay up late at night um, in prison think about this but nonetheless he's got this they got him they nail him they nail him and and he goes to trial and 
his i mean this is kind of where it gets a little bit interesting for yeah me as well because he, go, he goes to trial and he uh tries to have his lawyers defend him on the on his fourth amendment rights which is uh protection from unlawful unlawful seizure yeah um and things like that and interestingly i think does it include like unlawful seizure the right to private does it use the word private in it Maybe unlawful seizure is just the more the specifics. We have computers in front of us, so obviously we can look this up. Yeah, that's that's how high tech our research is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we have a constitutional lawyer on hand? Yeah, that's called Wikipedia. Uh, so it prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures. In addition, it sets requirements for issuing warrants. Warrants must be issued by a judge or magistrate, uh, justified by probable probable cause supported by an oath or an affirmation and must particularly describe the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Oh, so the last part is completely ignored on a daily basis in America. Yeah. I okay. mean, well, I, I guess it. probable cause is uh, kind of uh, easy for them to conjure up, I guess, is, re- is really what it comes down to. But, I mean, the, the interesting part is Edward Snowden... Um, he was directly asked if he believes the NSA and Edward Snowden, for those who don't know, is the NSA whistleblower who uh, kind of made everybody aware through uh, the Guardian journalists that the NSA was spying on American citizens yeah, and, I think, and allies. Yeah, Glenn Greenwald broke the story. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just kind of goes to show that like they really don't give a fuck about your uh, constitutional rights if it potentially interferes with the, with the state's goals or, uh, you know, if you're running a criminal enterprise, they'll find a way around uh, your constitutional rights. Those goddamn terrorists. Got, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that really is what kind of escalates this ability for them to bypass constitutional rights, really. Um, but, I mean, that's, a, that's another topic. But, yeah, so, uh, and, and really this is kind of where um, Ross's defense tries to make their case is, is these fourth amendment rights were violated um and interestingly too they they drop all of the murder for hire charges that were laid against him because there was no precedent for uh, hiring a hitman to kill somebody who doesn't exist yeah so it really does feel like a bit of a smear campaign because uh, they kind of smear him in the public as uh, you know, trying to be, or try, essentially being a murderer, a yeah. murder for hire. He's he's asking for these things to be carried out, and then they dro- conveniently drop these charges, and then just get him on on drug charges because. So again, sorry, the drug charges specifically are. Do you have them there? Uh, yeah, I do. He got charged with money laundering, conspiracy to commit computer hacking, and conspiracy to traffic narcotics. Um, uh, and this was on February 4th, 2015. He gets convicted of all counts, um, and sentenced to double life imprisonment plus 40 years without the possibility of parole. So that, that sentencing, I mean, just decimates on uh, someone. I, and uh, I just, this is the thing I don't quite understand with, uh, American sentencing, why do you got to call a double life sentence plus 40 years? It's the same thing as a life sentence. Yeah, they got to jack it up. Everything's bigger in the States, as they say, as the cliche yeah. goes. Yeah. Um, but as a judge, you, I mean, come on. You're sitting up there in your fucking rows and you got that wooden mallet and you're just, pop, 
Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, yeah, so the murder for hire charges were going to be carried out at a later date in a separate court in federal court in Maryland. Uh, and it was dismissed with prejudice in July 2018. Uh, he's also appealed his convictions twice in, I believe, 2017 and 2018, and they were both denied. Uh, so it really does not look like uh, Ross is getting out. I mean, that's the sad thing. It's like he's gone through it. He's gone through it twice. Yet we're looking at someone who never held drugs, never committed an act of violence. Yeah, well, I mean, this is where the argument comes comes from. Is uh, I would say most of his supporters find his... Um, uh, his principles in the Silk Road as potentially uh, a positive. There's definitely some harm reduction advocates that kind of say, you know, Silk Road, they had a rating system. You you actually would know more of what you were getting than if you were to buy drugs from the street. It was safer because there was, you know, this, this kind of uh, community that let you know what you were really buying. You could have a rating system. Uh, there's yeah, also- that, that being key, the, 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 the seller and the buyer. Yeah both some had, accountability there's an accountability um, um and there's a fo- there's there's a forum based you know community to to the silk road yeah exactly they had like how to safely use drugs and like q a and all that um and also harm reduction advocates again say you know you don't have to get involved with uh a, a criminal organization to buy these drugs you don't have the risk of somebody potentially robbing you when you go to buy the drugs mugging you trying to potentially uh, force you into sex trafficking work or sex work, you know. So so harm reduction advocates do kind of say, like, this 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 Silk Road thing was actually beneficial for, for users and made it more safe. Um, obviously, um, I'm, uh, I'm sure there, there was harm caused by this, right? Like, you know, drugs and addictions are a serious thing. I mean, we're seeing that here in Canada where, where, and North America in general. We have this massive opioid ed- epidemic. Uh, yeah. It's, it's killing but I, I, you know, a I, lot of people. No, it is. And, and I mean, I think if anything, Ross's uh, contribution was a, a drop in a small bucket that was a it was a net positive like i i mean i i i would say like he's probably in it for himself i don't i don't really think he's he's doing this to to help the drug users and and the people addicted well i and i think that's fine though i think in some respects like to be agnostic to the fact that he's what he is doing may or may not be helping something but regardless it is taking um it's it's a taking away the sort of middlemen and the people on the street and the people who are in these lower hierarchies of these drug cartels that are the ones that generally most of the time have to suffer right. for distributing the I guess you know clear demand of drugs yeah. all around the world um, and if this can be done through a postage system well you know. Less, you know, there's not the guy driving around on the block and, you know, he's got a couple grams of coke in his car and he gets pulled over and then he's spending the rest of his life, 25 years in jail for that. Yeah, exactly. Just trying to I feed mean, his family. I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pushing it on the spectrum, but yeah, you get I, the archetype. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it does kind of highlight the fallacy of the drug war and the, the failure of the war on drugs and how it's really just decimated communities and done nothing to decrease drug use i mean we see now i mean we're still in the middle of this drug war here in north america and and use is through the roof i think we know 
that you know uh, just say no didn't work and yeah love those advertisements exactly I think uh, it really does highlight that this war on drugs is is a little bit silly it's not working the drugs won yeah and they will continue to win yeah like I saw the other day that uh, uh, an old police station in Flint Michigan is getting turned into a marijuana grow excellent you know the drugs really have won when that happens. Yeah, and um, and the system. Yeah, the system. <laughs> it, it, it it adjusts, and uh, the market uh, produces what people want. And uh, the ironies are in the details that things in this respect can move quickly. And what seems so archaic ten years ago in terms of the way in which we think about drugs uh, has changed rapidly. And, um, I think last time we talked about this, you brought up the point that, you know, if Ross's trial happened today, it might, and most likely would have been a different outcome. And that kind of I, is the sad reality about this whole situation. I th- well, I think the defense just has uh, a different case to put forward, right? We have, I mean, the most commonly sold drug on the site was cannabis and it's now legal in many States. It's federally legal in Canada. Um, you know, more countries are adopting at least medicinal use. Uh, so I think on that grounds alone, you know, he can maybe potentially get that uh, lowered if they kind of go this harm reduction, the failure of the drug war, this opioid epidemic and and showcasing that they're really allowing people to actually buy what they want. You know, if someone's buying heroin, they're buying heroin. They're not buying fentanyl or carfentanil, which is really the root cause of a lot of these overdoses. So, I mean, I think if the trial happens today, they have a very different defense to put forth and they probably have a lot more support for Ross, like uh, in terms of his ideology and, and what he's trying to do i think they frame it differently i don't know that's necessarily why he started the website i think it's naive to think that honestly i think he really was you know uh had some ideals that he wanted to center on but he was i trying think to he make was money i think he was this close to getting invited to the u.n to talk about drug reform i mean that that could potentially be his his thing is he does a ted talk from his penitentiary cell in arizona yeah yeah. On drug reform. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised, and I, you know, I would hope for that day. And I mean, to, um, to read a statement from Ross here, which I think is, um, yeah, you know, this might be just the regret of getting caught because this is something that he he uh, wrote in a letter to the court. Uh, but I think it's worth noting because it, it does kind of potentially characterize a little bit of the naivety of a 26 year old starting a online marketplace for illicit products. So this is a direct quote from Ross. Silk Road was supposed to be about giving people the freedom to make their own choices, to pursue their own happiness, however they individually saw fit. It turned out to be a naive and costly idea that I deeply regret. So, I mean, mean, do you have regret that you got caught? Or were you just so naive that you didn't think that this, this website would turn into what it was? Deeply regret that you got caught. That's kind of how I read it. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think you issue that statement if... Uh, I mean, there, you need to string along a narrative if you want any chance of a retrial. Yeah. And um, I mean, when he was caught, he also had... Uh, he was applying for citizenship in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, I missed uh, that point. Yeah. Yeah, like a... It could be wrong, but like a Caribbean island that didn't have extradition to the U.S. Uh, when the police came to his door the first time and there was a package of fake ids a whole bunch of fake ideas with his photos on it uh obviously purchased from a silk road vendor he denied it he said anybody could have made that you know so there's there's obvious signs that like he was kind of aware of the pressure uh that the federal government was putting on him and he is kind of trying to run away um 
but then again, I guess let's maybe get into the the sentencing on the on the two life sentences plus forty years. Yeah, I I I kind of think before we go into that, like I have this quick clip about his parents talking about. Yeah, yeah. Let's, um, let's go for it. About 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 his case. Let's just check this out. You guys do not believe that that Ross that he saw this through that he was responsible for for more than kind of the creation of Silk Road. Correct. Not for a minute. You got the call. You know Ross is in trouble. And and what what went through your mind? Well, it was shocking because Ross had never been in trouble, and. Um, he has no record of anything. It was um, like a bomb went off in the house. You know, it was just, <laughs> we did, had no idea that anything like that was coming. We see the phrase, the kingpin of this online marketplace, this underground drug bazaar. Who is, who is Ross? Who's the Ross that you know? He's an exceptional kid. He wasn't an exceptional kid. He, he had quality. I'm, I'm going to make noble. a point here. Just pause um, quickly. Yeah, I mean, um, these parents are... I mean, that's obviously what you're going to say when yeah. you your kid's going through this. I do but, like how they called it a drug bazaar, though. I like that terminology. Yeah, that's, that's a fun That word. sounds fun. I like that. Uh, it is also important to note that the uh, defense made the case that Ross actually sold uh, the Silk Road. So he started it. He admits to starting it. And then says he sold it. That's when the murder for hire things were carried out is when he sold the site and then he bought it back just in time to be caught by the FBI at the library. Um, so that is kind of part of his defense that he wasn't uh, participating in it in the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much grounds that really holds. It does. Yeah. I mean, there is the idea that Dread Pirate Roberts c- carries on. But, you know, when you get caught logged into the master site, I think it's unlikely that you sold it. Yeah, I, I guess, but at the same time, you know, I think, it, I mean, I don't want to read too much into Princess Bride, but I mean, in the spirit of continuation, you know, a continuation of more so an idea and an identity rather than an individual person, I mean, in some respects, I could imagine him still having the login as an admin, but then having someone doing the bulk of the work and he's just like, look, look signing into it and checking it out from an admin perspective i mean i get that i mean if i was in this position i would probably do that to be honest i'd be like ah fuck i'm gonna look at this site and uh, through the admin mode i don't know what's going on right um i mean uh there is a silk road 2.0 that pops up in november 2013 after he gets arrested after ross gets arrested again led by a different pseudonym uh of dread pirate roberts obviously somebody different i don't think Ross is carrying this out from prison. So, I mean, that idea does kind of carry out, but it seems like once he gets caught, somebody else kind of does take that ethos. Yeah. But it, it, it seems rather unlikely that, because, uh, I mean, at this point, there is other illicit markets on the internet, but nothing with Dread Pirate Roberts and, and the Silk Road. That that idea is, is firmly in prison with Ross now. And you would imagine that if somebody else truly did buy this site and there really was this this uh, group of people running Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, there would probably be a continuation of this idea. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, but, I mean, I guess also at the same time, like, the infrastructure and the bones of the Silk Road, I think, is irrelevant in some respects. Like, I think it's just it, the fact and the idea around, like, creating a site that offers some legitimate place to buy drugs without getting scammed. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what he started. Yeah, this and, is not wrong. And I think that's kind of what his intention was. I don't think the brand of the Silk Road was. I think that was all irrelevant. I mean, I think these people. And I mean, I think you maybe see this. I kind of want to use QAnon in some respects to compare to this. I think you kind of see in a bit there is a bit of a development of the ego in terms of wow, I've started this crazy place on the corners of the internet. And now it's taken off and now it's actually getting genuine traction and it's getting front page CNN. Well, that's pretty exciting. And you kind of want some recognition recognition for that, you know? Right. I mean, R- Ross under the pseudonym Dread by Roberts does have interviews that get uh, published yeah, he, by Gawker. He, reach, he reaches out. Well, they reach or, out to so, him. Yeah, yeah there, there's an arrangement. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, obviously it's all private and uh, encrypted and whatnot. But yeah, I think I think he does get a little bit of taste for the celebrity that comes with this character that he's playing, and he, you know, it does give give him this character that he gets to play. And I think that's highly enticing for somebody. I mean, he's obviously quite an intelligent person, and I think getting to play this game because that's really what it kind of seems like is a bit of a game run a business, um, yeah. is appealing, and I, I think that attracts him, and uh, and you know, gets lost in a little bit, and and it does suffer some real consequences. But once again, I think uh, the double life sentences when uh, nobody else who was involved with the Silk Road got more than 10 years is a little bit excessive. Yeah, and and, and by people involved too, it's uh, the spectrum of like people who were developing the infrastructure of the website to actual vendors who were selling and distributing drugs. Yeah, exactly. So the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years. Yeah. One of the corrupt FBI agents on Silk Road got eight years, and those are the two longest. Um, so the co-owner of Silk Road 2.0, he got released with no sentence. Uh, some forum moderators get like 17 months, eight months for a programmer. You know, So they kind of bounce around depending on their involvement, but really 10 years is the max, and that's for somebody who is actually selling the drugs right? and and i mean also at the same time too the literally the co-owner uh, has w- walks yeah he he gets released with no sentence i mean he walks i think that's because he starts a second website that doesn't sell anything or not nearly the same amount right so essentially where they get ross is conspiracy to traffic 1.2 billion dollars worth of drugs and and like a sentence like that is gonna be wild i mean you see people in prison for for longer than any of these people on like possession charges or or like small intent to sell charges and again highlighting the the discrepancies in the drug war but i mean why are why are taxpayers paying for double life sentence for this guy who's who's done a uh in a lot of non-violent yeah not a threat to charge him with the attempted murders and he gets a double life i get that um, but but the non-violent drug offenses, which is what he is getting charged for, seems excessive. And I mean, I think also at the same time too, yeah, we need to understand that this, the past of Ross, which we outlined, and the person who he is, is that he understands that what he did was wrong in the eyes of the law. And I think that can be something that is digested in well, a way. that's what you got to say when you get caught. Yeah, and he does. And I guess at the same time too, to I I'm kind of in the boat of saying let him walk, let him on be on parole. He's gonna have the watchdog over him. He's not gonna start something else. And if he does, he'll be caught immediately. 
No, here's here's what here. You know what? This this is the future of Ross Albrecht. I'll tell you right now. All right, let's, let's get serious. Let's get. I'm serious. gonna tell you right now. Let's get serious. Ross Albrecht is gonna get contracted by the NSA and the CIA, and instead of overthrowing governments in their traditional method of uh, you know coup d'etats or whatever else they choose, the classic they're, d'etat. They're gonna get Ross to set up a new dark web drug website that sells drugs to the enemies of the United States. Okay. They're going to ruin their communities through importing drugs. Ruining them in the decimating sense... Decimating families. Yes. Sending people to prison. Totally destroying lives. Destroying lives. In a lot of respects, worse than getting blown up because you get to see the demise the and sl- destruction a of a family. Demise. So essentially yeah. the same thing that the U.S. has done to its own impoverished neighborhoods. Yeah, but we transplant that. We're going to get Ross to transplant that kind of American dream to American enemies, and we'll just pay him out of the prison guard's pension fund. Okay, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And that's how you know that the U.S. government is crumbling, and it only gets worse from here. And it only... (laughs) 